Hi friends, Brad here, the lead pastor of a new church called The Table. This podcast is a short insight to what we do every week, and we think that long, drawn-out messages lose meaning. So over the course of this podcast, you'll find questions that we pose to our people that they'll discuss in real time. And so we would love for you to find time to reflect on these questions as well. I hope you enjoyed the podcast and check us out at thetablejoliet.org. Well, it's wonderful to be with you all. How are you doing today? I always say that and then like, ah. I would see some people are like, eh, it could be better, you know, whatever. Well, I'm glad to be with you. Uh, I've, I have loved watching everything that's happened here, and it's just good to be with you. And I'm just going to apologize to you guys because you have to look at my backside the whole time, which, yeah, you know, that's how it goes. I don't. Honestly, don't know what to do with that. Um, well, it's good to be with you, especially in this series, talking about the art of the heart, and we're talking about relationships, and uh, what happens in our hearts and relationships is really, really important, because everything you and I are doing is making us into a kind of person. Every step you take, every decision you make, and so uh, for over the last uh, 24 years, I've, I've been a pastor and spiritual director. And so I've sat in my office across from couples, whether it's married couples or dating couples, families, and and they all have the same, like the language is so much the same. If only he could, if only she knew, if they would just get it, if I could just somehow tell them, or it gets down to like, do you see what I'm doing with? Can you hear what he just said? I also hear People talking about how staying at work longer is good because the work at home is too hard. I hear people talking about sleepless nights, anxiety, antacids, lots of them, trying to deal with conflict. If you, this is what I can promise you. If you are in a relationship now, whether it's dating or marriage or with a family member still, if you are in any sort of relationship, there will be conflict. It's just a given. And I think we all deep down know that, we just don't know what to necessarily do with it. And sometimes to do something with something, we actually need like a really clear picture to be able to look at it and go, okay, okay, that's where we're starting. And so I was trying to find a really clear picture of what conflict and relationships look like, and I think this video is probably about as close as I can get. Take a look. It's just, there's all this pressure, you know? And sometimes it feels like it's right up on me and I can just feel it, like literally feel it in my head and it's relentless. And I don't know if it's gonna stop. I mean, that's the thing that scares me the most is that I don't know if it's ever gonna stop. Yeah. Well, you do have a nail in your head. It is not about the nail. Are you sure? Because, I mean, I'll bet if we got that out of there... Stop trying to fix it. No, I'm not trying to fix it. I'm just pointing out that maybe the nail is causing... You always do this. You always try to fix things when what I really need is for you to just listen. See, I don't think that is what you need. I think what you need is to get the nail out. See, you're not even listening now. Okay, fine. I will listen. Fine. It's just... Sometimes it's like there's this achy... I don't know what it is. And I'm not sleeping very well at all. And all my sweaters are snagged. 
I mean, all of them. That sounds really hard. It is. Thank you. Ow! Oh, come on! Ow. If you would just don't. Try to see things. It's right, isn't it? Like the conflict is so clear to somebody. It might be us. The conflict is so clear. The solution is so clear. Why is it so hard to actually do it? And the reason why is I think conflict is a lot more complicated than we may make it out to be. Because it isn't just a matter of problems and solutions. It's something deeper. I think the other thing that bothers us that really keeps us from doing conflict well is we've got some bad language in our past because some of us have been broken up with and someone has used a phrase like, um, it's not you, it's me. Have you, have you heard this phrase before? Like this language is not helpful, right? It's not you, it's me. Because it's basically us acting like we're taking responsibility for what's going on, when in all honesty, we're not taking responsibility for anything. It's not, it's not you, it's me. I'm just in a different place right now. I went to a Christian Bible college, and ours was always, I feel like God is leading me to date other people. That's even worse, because then it's not even me taking responsibility. It's like checking it up to that guy. Like, it's not me. It's actually him. So take it up with him. Because that phrase really means, it's not me. It's you. When we say, it's not you, it's me, we mean, it's not me. It's you. You're the one with the problem. I can't be a part of it anymore. And so this is the language we use in the middle of all of our conflicts. We might occasionally say, it's not you, it's me. But what we really mean is it's not me, it's you. And there's no way we're ever going to be able to deal with whatever is between us as long as that back and forth continues to happen. It's just, just not helpful. So how do we deal with the conflicts in our relationships, whatever they might be? We're going to talk about that today. But before we do that, I want to offer you a question to talk about. If you've never been here before, we take a little time to talk together. Um, if you're an introvert, you don't have to do this. What you can do is one of three things. You can either talk to the people around you about this question, you could text somebody this question and ask them, or if you just want to take some notes, you can do that as well. So here's the question for you today. What's the worst breakup phrase you've ever heard? Some of you have been married for a long time and you haven't heard one in a while, which is great. It's really good. Uh, so if, if, if you haven't heard one for a while, ask somebody else what the one they've heard is and why does that feel so bad, right? Take some time to talk about that. We'll come back together and sing. So today to help us figure out how to deal with uh, the conflict in our relationships, I want to talk a little bit about a teaching of Jesus. And, and I want to tell you first and foremost, um, this is, if you're, if you're like, I don't know if I even believe in this whole God thing, uh, I wish someone had told me what I'm about to tell you. The, the great thing about Jesus is that Jesus, whether you're religious or not, Jesus gets human beings. Like he understands humanity in a way that 
I mean, it's just amazing, and it connects with everyone. And not just Christian humanity, right? It's Buddhist humanity or Hindu humanity or atheist humanity or podiatrist humanity or cub fan humanity, whatever. It, Jesus gets humanity. He gets it because he understands how human beings are. He understands how our relationships work. He understands all of that. And so in his teaching, you can hear things that actually make sense like this. In Matthew chapter 7, it says, don't judge or you too will be judged. He means don't put yourself above other people and say they're less than you or you will be put down and said other people are greater than you. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. You don't have to be a person of faith to know that if you dish it out, it will come back to you eventually. Life just proves that to us. I remember when I was a kid, there's a carnival near us, and they had one of those rides where, I don't know if you've seen it, it's a big circle, and you get in and you strap yourself to the outside, and it lifts up and it spins, and it does like this, which is great, but if you understand physics, there's this principle called centripetal force that means anything goes to the middle, it comes back to the outside. So one year, they were running the ride, and it was spinning, 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 and somebody on the outside edge threw up which is bad, right? Except it went in and then came right back out. So the person who lost it, then it returned to them. <laughs> this is what Jesus is saying. If you shoot it out into the world, it's going to come back to you because that's just how it works. And the reason why this teaching is great is because it actually has something to do with how we get past the conflict in our relationships because this is what he says as he continues. He says, why do you look at that speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there's a, there's a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. I love how great of a storyteller Jesus is because he actually wanted people to picture this. So do that with me. Picture two people standing there. One of them has a speck in their eye. The other one has a board in their eye. So like he meant this to be funny, but funny to prove a point because what Jesus is doing is he's diving deeper into what human relationships are like and especially what conflict is like. He said, this is usually what happens. There's one person who's like, I want to fix your stuff. The problem is they've got stuff of their own. And so when you put yourself over that person, you pretend like you don't have stuff. And Jesus says, listen, every single relationship, that person has something and this person has something. And so in our conflicts, we tend to think it's their problem, not mine. Or sometimes we think it's my problem, not theirs. When in all honesty, it's probably both of us contributing to what's going on. There's a lot of wisdom there because Jesus is basically saying, look, it's not you, it's me, that doesn't work. And it's not me, it's you, that definitely doesn't work. The phrase that actually works is this one, it's us. If we don't start from a place in our relationships, and especially in dealing with conflict, where we say, it's us, you may have a speck and I may have a plank, or vice versa, it doesn't matter. This is about us together. Because Jesus doesn't say, you've got a plank and the other person's fine. And he also doesn't say, you've got a speck and you're, they've got a speck and you're fine. He says, both of you are going to have stuff you're going to need to work through. This is about us. This is about teamwork. This is about working together. Also, there's a word in there that sometimes gets us caught up because it sounds like Jesus is being really hardcore when he says the word hypocrite, you hypocrite. I want to I debug that word just for a second for you because the word hypocrite in the original language is the word they take from the theater. It means to wear a mask. So Jesus says, you're pretending 
If you say you're fine and they're wrong or vice versa, you're pretending. And pretending never helps in conflict. Pretending that everything's fine or pretending that the only person who has a problem is them never gets to the heart of the problem, which is it's both of us. And so as he dives into this, Jesus says the heart of a relationship, the heart of the conflict you're experiencing is probably because the nature of relationships is relationships were meant to be cooperative, not competitive. Relationships were made to be cooperative, not competitive. Because so many of us were brought up and taught that the goal of life was to win. And in our relationships, we feel like the goal is to win. I get mine because nobody else is going to take care of me. Right? Deep in our culture, there's this thing. If you get yours, you win and everything's fine. And Jesus says that's fine until you run into conflict. Because competition is not good in conflict. If you're the only one winning, no wonder there's conflict. And there are times when this gets unhealthy. And so I just want to say, if you find yourself in a relationship conflict that you feel like is just completely out of control, there are great counselors and therapists who can help you through this, and there's nothing wrong with that. And that's not just in marriages, but friendships and family relationships. There are people who can help walk us through the unhealth. But there are some conflicts that we can actually handle on our own if we just dive into what the inside of it is. Because relationships that are competitive, where we're just trying to win, they're not really relationships. We just have this other person around to feel better about ourselves. They're just our way of getting ahead. This is Jesus predicting the bachelor. If you think about it, this is Jesus actually going, so there's going to be this show in like 2,000 years, and you guys can watch this. This is Jesus predicting the bachelor. Those are all competitive relationships. You just want to win the rose. And it's surprising they don't last. You see, competition doesn't work because we're looking for connection with another person. And connection comes when we are in the relationship for the other person's good. Jesus says, if you want to take the speck out, which is a good thing, if you want something good to happen for that other person, you've got to deal with your own stuff too. You've got to deal with the ways that you compete. If you want a healthy relationship, it means establishing the kind of connection that says, I want good things for you because if it's good for you, then it'll eventually be good for me. So I love Southwest Airlines. If you've ever flown on Southwest, they have this great thing they do where they talk about, you know, they go through the safety stuff that none of us listen to. And um, they talk about if the cabin ever loses pressure, an oxygen mask will fall from the ceiling, which is scary enough. Um, an oxygen mask will fall from the ceiling, and they say, parents, first put your mask on, and then put the mask on your child. Now, if you've got a really good flight attendant, they'll go, put your mask on, and then put your mask on the person who's most likely to pay for your retirement, that, the kid that's most likely to pay for your retirement. Because here's what they know. If you can't breathe, you're not helpful to the other people that are with you. Jesus says, this is about a journey. This is about your heart. This is about you becoming something in this relationship. And it begins with understanding that if you can't breathe, you can't be helpful. If you're constantly trying to win, you can't be helpful. So the question then becomes, how do we, not me, how do we together win? Whether it's a parent-child relationship, whether it's a spouse relationship, a dating relationship, whether it's a sibling relationship, how do we win? 
I think it all begins in one very simple place. And it's the reason why the, competi- the competition kind of relationship fails. So in the Bible, it says that for everyone has sinned and we all fall short of God's glorious standard. Everybody has. Let me take the sin word out of there because that's troublesome. You know, that sounds really religious language. Can I just take that out and say something different? For everyone has blown it. Turn to the person next to you and say, I have blown it. Go ahead. What happens at the table stays at the table. I'm not, a, I'm not a fortune teller. I can't predict the future. But what I can say with confidence is that if you're in a relationship with somebody else, that person is going to blow it. If you're in a relationship with someone else, you are going to blow it. It's just the way that it works, which is why competition doesn't work because not all of us are always going to be winning. And so if we start there, we start very differently. If we start there, we start in a healthy place. But we also need to know how we compete because there are different ways that we do competition in relationships. Some of us compete in relationships by saying we're better. And you may be like, well, I I never do that. Let me ask uh, the guys in the room, have you ever used the phrase the ball and chain to describe your wife? Somebody said, not today. We got the peanut gallery back here. Not today. That's funny until it's not. Right? Have you ever asked her what she thinks of that? Because if that just can lower her down a little bit, that raises me up a little bit. Right? Oh, she's just emotional. That lifts me up because I'm not. Or if you've ever said, you know, there's an old joke that says, if you want to grow dope, plant a man. Have you heard that joke before? Well, now, there you, now you have, so. All that is, is I push you down to push me up. So sometimes we compete even just in very subtle ways with our humor. We push the other person down so that we can be held up. And it's funny until it's not. It's funny until the conflict becomes so heavy that you're in a pastor's office saying, I don't know that we can do anything with this. And I go, tell me about your jokes. So sometimes we compete by saying that we're better. But sometimes we compete by saying that we're worse. And this one is, it, this is even harder because it seems like you're being humble. Like, oh, whatever you need, whatever you want. I'll just go along with whatever you want. Which is fine until you realize you've not only given up the decision making, you've also given up on the consequences. So if it all goes south, you can be like, well, it wasn't my decision. That was you. You're the one that made that call. Well, you know, he makes all the money so he can make all the decisions. That also means all the consequences. It's not helpful. Garrison Keillor, who's a radio uh, personality, used to talk about this, and he'd say, I knew a group of people who were so humble, they would spray paint, if they won a gold medal in the Olympics, they'd spray paint it brown so that it was bronze, so they wouldn't get too over their head about themselves. That's what this is. It's false humility. It's just another plank. It's just another plank. It's just another thing that gets in our way of actually dealing with the conflict and becoming the people God has made us to be. 
This is why cooperation works, because in cooperation, it means we're side by side in this. I'm not better than you, I'm not worse than you. You're not better than me, you're not worse with, than me. We are side by side in dealing with whatever it is that's in front of us. Whatever conflict we're wrestling with, we are side by side in the middle of this. I don't have to think about how I win. I can think about how we win, because if we win, we both win together. So I want to give you a second to think about that. I want to give you a second to think about this particular question. What do you think about this whole plank and splinter thing? You think Jesus is right? What do you think about this thing that he's talking about, these relationships where I've got something and you've got something too? Take a minute and talk about that. If you don't want to talk about that, you can text somebody and say, hey, this is what I'm thinking about. Or you could also take some notes if you want to, and then we'll come back together. So go ahead and talk about that question. What do you think about this whole plank and splinter thing Jesus is talking about? So it's not helpful uh, if we don't get into some practical stuff. So I just want to give you a couple of suggestions on how, how we start to deal with conflict in our relationships from this perspective. Because what Jesus is inviting us to do is take a, a really difficult and challenging, but also really healthy and helpful spiritual journey to be able to deal with the stuff that's going on. And I say that spiritual journey and you're like, well, it should be on a greeting card or something. That's what we're all on. All of us are on some kind of spiritual journey and our, our hearts are being formed to something. The question is, is it healthy or not? And so Jesus is inviting us to have a healthy way of being formed for the sake of our relationships. And so as you look at this passage, the first thing I think about is when we get ready to handle conflict, the first thing we need is a mirror. And when we use the mirror, the first thing we do is we turn it on ourselves and we ask ourselves the question, what's going on in me? Because I'm bringing either a plank or a splinter, and I can't see it, but it's getting in the way of everything, or it's contributing. And so it doesn't have to be a sin or a fault. It can just be something that I bring as a person into this particular conflict and conversation. So we turn the mirror on ourselves, and when we're looking into the mirror, we ask a couple of questions. First one is this, what kind of baggage am I bringing into this fight, into this conflict? And by baggage, I mean not just something that's bad, but things that are just natural, like who taught me how to fight with people? Who's my example in relationships of how to fight? Is it my parents? That might not be good, but that's the only way I know how to do it. What else am I bringing into this? Am I bringing a view of relationships that's more Hollywood than it is reality? Am I bringing Jerry Maguire, you complete me, into this relationship and realizing they don't complete me? How could Tom Cruise be wrong? Because it's a movie. Um, when that other person doesn't complete us, am I bringing that? Am I expecting you to make me a whole person? Listen, you don't need anybody else to complete you. You need somebody else to support you. So you become the person God made you to be. Don't go looking for a relationship to complete you because it's just going to be fruitless. So we need to look in the mirror. What am I bringing to this? What are my expectations? What are my hopes and what are my dreams? Also, what do I need or want out of this? 
I've met people who are fighting about something that they've been fighting about for like 10 years, and you get to a point where they go, I don't understand what I'm fighting for anymore. I don't remember what I actually wanted that started this whole thing. We look in the mirror and say, what are my needs and my desires? What do I need out of this? How do I need this to end? If you haven't envisioned a way that it could end well, it's not really a fight anymore. It's not really helpful anymore. So Jesus is shaping us to say, look, take a look at the plank first before you do anything else. And so then after that, we move from the mirror to the magnifying glass. The problem in relationships is we want to go with this one first. Let me look at you. And not only that, let me look at you with a microscopic detail. We cannot pick this up until we've taken seriously the stuff we see in the mirror. Because we will come at this with a bunch of really dark, dysfunctional, broken ways of seeing things. Because ultimately, Jesus says, listen, deal with the plank so you can deal with the speck. Because it's not good that that person has a splinter. And you love them and you want the best for them. You really do deep down. But before you can go with this, you have to take a look in the mirror. And so the questions we begin to ask there is, what do I know about the other person in the conflict? What do I know about them? And what do they need or want? I'm the parent of a junior higher now, and the way my relationship has changed with my daughter is all about this. She's not five anymore. Five-year-olds have very different needs than 12-year-olds do. I understand the five-year-old a lot better. And the 12-year-old ones change by the day or by the hour. So every once in a while, I have to be like, does she hate me or is this just something different? (laughs) What do we know about the other person? What do we know about what they need? What do they need out of this conflict? And if we can come to terms with what I need and what you need, we can find common ground and be able to start solving things. Because some of us are fighting about things that happened in the first Bush administration still. Because we've never taken a step back to think, why in the world are we fighting about this? Why does this still matter? When my wife and I first got married, um, I started dealing with this reality that if we're going to deal with the stuff in our life, we've got to do some cooperation. And one of the things I love about this, and this is what I think is at the heart of Jesus' teaching, is that cooperation means you help me with my plank, I'll help you with your splinter. You help me with my plan. You help me with my stuff, and I'll help you with yours. And sometimes that comes in healthy ways, and sometimes it just happens as a result of experience. So when my wife and I got, first got married, um, I'm a laid-back kind of person, so I'm like, whatever, you know, whatever's good. You know, I, where do you want to go to dinner? I don't care. I eat everything and anything, sometimes twice, so it doesn't really matter. And I got into that spot, which is sometimes fine, but it's not good when you're fighting. It's not good when there's an important argument going on. And so what would happen in arguments is I would just shut down and go outside. And then I would come back in later and eventually take responsibility for the whole thing and then we'd move on. For probably five to seven years I did this. And then it finally dawned on me, why am I so stirred up and angry? Because I'd been punting on stuff that I wanted for a long, long time. Just because it was easier. And so we got into this argument about seven years into our marriage. We got into this argument, and we're fighting, and she's pushing, and she's pushing, and I push back for the first time. And I watched her go like this, and then she started laughing hysterically. And not to make fun of me, but she was just like, finally! 
Because you see, what she needed out of the conflict is to know I cared enough to fight. Me backing out and shutting down said I didn't care. And the conflict continued. So I needed to look in the mirror and say, I'm the kind of guy who backs out because it's just easier. And she's like, I'm the kind of person that needs you in it because that means you care. You go to the mirror. You go to the magnifying glass. And things since then have not, I mean, we still have our issues and things, but, but that has taken us so much further than we ever thought it would. And listen, I get, I get that not all of us are in relationships that we feel like are safe. And even this idea of looking in the mirror first is a very vulnerable thing. Like we feel like we're opening the door to all kinds of stuff. What if I open that door and I get hurt? You might. That's just called being a human being. But I think what Jesus is saying is that the life of opening the door and getting hurt, just to have a shot at dealing with your plank, is so much better than the life of living under a mask and pretending everything's okay. Because that keeps us up at night. That keeps the antacids flowing. That keeps the anxiety high. Maybe today it's time for you and the conflict in your relationship to take off the mask. To take a solid look in the mirror and say, what is it that I really need out of this? And what am I bringing to this argument we've been having seems like forever? Where do I need to just own something? I blew it. I did. I mean, there's an issue here and you've got some stuff too, but here's, I blew it here. And start from that point. Where do we go from here? And I know vulnerability is risky, but one of the great things about the message that Jesus brings is that the plank doesn't get to kill you. The plank doesn't win. Because the second half of this verse that we read earlier it's really helpful for it says, for all have sinned and fallen short of God's glorious standard, right? But then the next part is even better. It says, yet God. Yet God. All of us have blown it, yet God in his grace freely made us right in his sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. The fear we have about being vulnerable enough to handle the plank in our eye disappears when we realize Jesus took care of the plank. It doesn't get to win. It didn't win for him who went into relationships, who got betrayed, who got hurt, who got wounded. It didn't win for him and it won't win for you. There will be risk, there will be pain, there will be consequences, but in the end it doesn't get to win. For God in his grace has set us free to live in these big and beautiful relationships we've always wanted. And so that's what we celebrate when we take communion. So we take communion together here at the table. We come to the table at the table, which is great. And what we celebrate is the body and the blood of Jesus. The most vulnerable thing God could have ever done was to come as a human being. And the Bible says he humbled himself even to the point of death. But that that wasn't the end. After that, came the freedom. After that came the lifting. After that came the beauty and the goodness. After that stuff got broken is when it got repaired. And so for those of you, those of us who are wrestling through difficult relationships, wrestling through conflicts, I know right now it just stinks. And this is not going to be an overnight thing. But just know when you take a look in the mirror, 
before you take a look in the microscope, in the magnifying glass, in that focused point, this is not where it ends. There's a freedom on the other side. And Jesus is inviting you to that kind of life. So we'll take communion whenever you're ready. This is your response to what God is doing inside of you. And so as you prepare and as you wait, maybe just take into mind some of those questions. What are you bringing into your conflict right now? What do you want or need? What does the other person bring? What do they want or need? And maybe communion's a time where you just make some clear plans. I need to have a conversation today with somebody. I need to just start the ball rolling and, and maybe start by saying, listen, I blew it. And I know we got junk between us, but I blew this. And I want to start there. You can take communion whenever you're ready. Let's pray. God, thank you for this moment. Thank you that grace has set us free. May we now, as we think about what you've done for us, as we hear the invitation you've given to step into a brand new kind of life and a brand new way of dealing with everything, everything, including the conflicts we're in, may we not lose sight of the fact that you went first. That your death and your resurrection paved the way for us to live and live to the full. May we bring that into our relationships with our families, our spouses, the people we're dating, with our kids, with our coworkers today. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.